When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit of teeth because you got big skin. Welcome to After the Snap. My name is Blake Ferguson. I am joined today by my brother, Reed, who is my lovely co-host. And we've also brought in one of our good friends. His name is Brett Carlson. He has shot photography for the NFL since, what, 2013, Brett? Roughly, yeah. 2013. He has actually become one of our good family friends uh, through an iconic photo that he shot of Reed back in 2017. It was the snow game when you guys played the Colts, and there was a photo of you coming out. It was just kind of in the snow and looking very majestic, I should just say. Has done some other work, uh, working the Super Bowl and a bunch of other uh, big-time events since then. And lastly, he is our... Director of content for After the Snap. Which senior director. Senior director. which Senior director of content. Which basically just means that he sends us things on Instagram and asks if we're going to talk about it on the podcast. So <laughs> that is pretty. I think that's called a, a program coordinator, maybe in the television senior, world or something. Senior program coordinator. Senior. Yes. Well, senior assistant to the program coordinator. Well, we are happy to have you on today, Brett, and hopefully this will become a recurring you will become a recurring guest on after the snap because you're always a good convo and i'm sure that people will enjoy uh what you have to bring to today's episode so uh reed what you uh what you got going on over there i i've got i've got two things and i I had one question so that'll be the second but the first thing that comes to mind um so you know obviously we're joking about the job title senior program coordinator senior director of content for the podcast that makes me think of a meme I saw a while back about resume building and resume writing. And basically it was somebody asking, it was, it was on Twitter and it was somebody saying, I'm a, I, I, I was a cashier at a fast food restaurant for two years. How can you make my resume sound good? And somebody basically replied and was like, you can say, Blake Ferguson, I was a cashier at Chick-fil-A for uh, 24 months. I oversaw hundreds of thousands of dollars of exchange goods uh, from consumer to customer. And it's like, there's like so many different ways you can do it, but it's basically just a word barf of just making something sound way more professional than it really is. Dressing it up, oversaw millions of transactions. Millions of (laughs) transactions, which is basically... Brett, we have our, our little, uh, our Instagram group that he sends us like memes and stuff too. And it's like, Hey, 
you all should cover this on the pod. And it's like, well, he is, you, you've, you have been donned the, uh, director of content for after the snap. So congratulations, but it's, a, um, it's going right on my resume. Uh, unfortunately, that, that doesn't come, uh, with a salaried position at the moment. So we apologize, but you know, um, there's a lot of sweat equity in it though. And you know, we, you got to spend money <laughs> so, to make money. That's exactly uh, and this right. Upward that's mobility exactly right. And the, the things this position offers me and the benefits and you know, it's, there's a lot of vertical really, mobility here. Yeah, there's a lot of vertical mobility, a lot of room for expansion. You know, the only way is up. Uh, so let's circle back to this later in the episode yeah. and uh, see what the colleagues think. Circle back. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of vertical mobility, considering you are the tallest of the three people on this podcast at the moment. But it's um, that's secondly, always super funny being that you guys are both like NFL players, and then people will see the three of us together and be like, "Why are you bigger than them?" <laughs> is he their bodyguard? It's true. It's a true statement. Um, second thing, here's my question, my, 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 uh, icebreaker question here. And this was something that I saw, uh, our, our producer, Chris, his podcast account, Rock Paul Report on Twitter, uh, him and Drew run the, run the account, but they posted something about, uh, on Twitter the other day about what fast food restaurant or what place has the best French fries. Man. So I think like, what are your as- top three? I tweeted mine out. I replied mine. I had to, I had to put my two cents in there. But before I share, I want to hear, I want to hear y'all's opinions. So I think as you age, your taste preferences will change. So I think at a young age, it was, it was like McDonald's was number one from like age five till 17, right? Like all day. As I age and now live in the South where the land has been blessed with better food, um, and Chick-fil-A is more abundant. You know, I think I think Chick Fil A one for sure, probably Arby's two, and that being said, Arby's the rest of their menu is terrible, and then a McDonald's three. That's so funny you say Arby's because there was a couple people in that Twitter thread that said Arby's, and I just can't, I cannot get on board with that. Just not huge on curly fries, but the seasoning they have on there, I'm just not big on. Okay, I think if you, I got to grew up with it. The, I mean, I got to interrupt on the Arby's thing because. When I go to Arby's, I don't get curly fries. I get the potato cake. I get the potato cakes, which is basically just the breakfast hash brown in a triangle. <laughs> and it's, it's, it is 100% better than the curly fries, in my opinion. Secondly, I didn't know this item existed until 13 seconds ago. Yes. So it's it a tater is cake a, is a tater cake. It's a think of it as like a mixture between a massive tater tot and like the hash brown that you get at McDonald's for breakfast. Like the, like the long, like it looks like an egg shaped item. It's like that just in the, it's a little bit thicker and it's uh, triangular. Could, could Napoleon dynamite fit it in his pocket? Probably one, yeah. <laughs> probably one. If we're going cargo pants, which I believe he had. It yeah. Like, cargo it pants. Like his pocket. actual pocket. It was like his, it was like the pocket around his knee area. I'm envisioning like the most Midwestern white trash 3D Dorito ever. Like, make me a 3D Dorito, but and that's potato and thick. That's really (laughs) that's about as spot on as you can get. That's exactly what it is. Um, But number two, it's a 3D Dorito. It's a 3D Lay's potato chip. Yes, (laughs) yes. That's exactly what. No, that's exactly what it is. So ketchup shovel. That's all it really is. Yes. Yes, it's a. They're all just ways to get the sauce into your, in your mouth. mouth. 
but like nobody eats them dry like um but That's actually so, so my my vote for best french fry is 2007 zaxby's french fries when they actually put the seasoning on them they don't they the last time that i went they massively skimp on the skimped on the seasoning and i was inflation bro i was kind of disappointed Salt tax. Their their seasoning is stuck off the coast of California. It's really disappointing. So, uh, but the, I mean, like my like our childhood, going home from like Milton football practice, Buford football practice, picking up a, a Zaxby's wings and things with some with some teriyaki wings and some some French fries in that box were. So that's your that's your number one oh seven Zaxby's. Yes. That's of, like extremely if I'm, if I'm ranking, niche. If I'm ranking yeah. French fries, that's my that's my number one. But okay. on a day on a day to day basis, I would probably say I would probably say Wendy's. I like Wendy's, although sometimes they can be they can be a little soggy. So you gotta you gotta make sure they're fresh Wendy's fries. I think Wendy's just like revamped their French fries recently and had a well, big ad that campaign, was... and it was like anti McDonald's. And I'm, 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 I don't respect anybody who's like, that's basically admitting that you've been serving me bad French fries for the last 10 or 20 years. That's basically the crux of the argument here is, is how this French fry thread started was I think they uh, who Chris or Drew, whoever was tweeting it out, uh, was talking about the Wendy's, the new Wendy's fries. And I've, I have seen, I haven't been to Wendy's in forever, but. I have seen the new commercial. Everybody's seen the new commercials where they're, you know, fresh, hot and fresh and crispy fries, right? And they just, they revamped them, what, like seven years ago where they so marketed, thought, they marketed like, the sea oh, salt. we're using like fresh sea salt. Yeah. And like, it's straight like, from the Himalayas was, or whatever, like, you know. That was like 15 years ago, but. but that yeah. was not that long ago. Dude, I, it was I think that's no, less than 10. It was less than 10 years ago. I'm, You're tripping. Anyway, to Google. the fact that they have revamped twice now in the last 10 years is a little concerning. But when they revamped the first time, I'm going to say eight years ago, they were fantastic. They were like thick, crispy French fries. They were way better than McDonald's. Go ahead, Blake. November 2010, 11 years ago. Okay, there you go. So Meet in the middle. Within um, the margin of error. Margin of error, right. I'm a, so my... Definitive rankings. I was Wendy's one, although that comes with a disclaimer because I haven't had the new ones. Uh, Canes two. I like Cane. They're they're good size. They're crinkle, and I'm adding the sauce to my rankings because, I like you to, said, the, the, the it's basically a ketchup shovel. Yeah, it's, it's a, a cane sauce shovel. It's a, it's a sauce vehicle to just yes into your yeah, and then three. I'm going to go with you. Zaxby's with the seasoning is phenomenal, but they're a little, they're more mushy than Cane's crinkle fries. So, and their sauce isn't quite as good. Not as good, but so Wendy's, Wendy's, Cane's, Zaxby's, that, that was my, and then Chick-fil-A was honorable mention just because waffle fries are like their own category. Nobody like Chick-fil-A is the only fast food restaurant or the only place I've ever had good waffle fries. I'll second that. I think I would kick 
I think I'd kick McDonald's out of my three, move Arby's to three, and include five guys, which is kind of best food to two or one. If you're going straight fry, five guys rips, especially when they're fresh. And you, you put a little bit of that malt vinegar on them. Reed, oh, yeah. Reed, should we talk some uh, football? Yeah, let's get into the, uh, the the real purpose of why we're here today. Uh, week 15 finished up in the NFL. The Bills played the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, and we uh, – Came out with the W. Nice to get back in the win column. Uh, oddly enough, uh, in pregame warmups, uh, Zane Gonzalez, unfortunately, the, the kicker, uh, for the Panthers, I think he had barely started warming up. Um, I didn't really get the full story, but he, he injured, he got injured in warmups. So that kind of altered, you know, drastically maybe their game plan of how, uh, they were going to attack us. You know, you basically, when you're in the plus side of the field, they had to go for almost every fourth down. So uh, it was pretty interesting. It was kind of, you know, different, obviously, from a defensive standpoint. When you're, when you are in that kind of game, it kind of makes third down a little tougher, or at least that's, that's, that was kind of the thought process. Go ahead. There's, there's no way they didn't like think about this before Sunday. Like there's no way they didn't just like, there's no way they just went into the game thinking, you know, I hope our kicker doesn't get hurt. Like, do you, like you have to have a plan if, if your punter does not have any kind of kicking experience. Like, yeah, well, well, um, and I can't, I, I can't speak to their preparation, I guess, in terms of attacking this situation when it came, when it comes up. But uh, all I can say is when he went down and he went back in the locker room about 10 minutes later, like, Six dudes came out on the field, a couple like a receiver, some linebackers, like two, maybe a, a DB or some, you know, I, I don't know who they were, they but they were all like, they basically had kicker tryouts during pregame warmups. <laughs> um, and they all roughly looked the same. I mean, from what I was able to, to watch, I mean, we were doing our, we were going through our kicking and field goal warmup, you know, as they were doing this. So it was kind of, you know, we, we had to kind of work around it, but. They were all going roughly the same distance down the field, but I think number 16, uh, his last name is Zilstra. He was a receiver. He actually took over and, and did, uh, their kickoffs for him, but they did not attempt a field goal. So, uh, they went for two on the first touchdown and went for two on the second, but missed it. Um, so pretty interesting. Just a little tidbit from, uh, the game, but, um, took care of business, uh, game we needed to win, uh, before heading to New England this weekend. So, uh, looking forward to that first game back in New England since uh, the fans, obviously, uh, or, uh, you know, with fans in two years. So uh, it's always, uh, and, and you can kind of speak to this, it's always a rough and rowdy crowd there. I will just say that that going to New England is always tough just with fans, but it was weird, super, super weird playing there last year without fans because they didn't have any music playing in pregame. And it was just like odd. Like they didn't have any kind of flow in like in TV timeouts. There was like there, I don't even remember if there was music playing in TV timeouts. Like it just, it just felt like eerie there. But I will say when they do have fans there, it is, (laughs) it is rowdy. They are very passionate. Obviously uh, Boston is a big time, big time sports town. They are proud of their teams those fans will be, they will know your high school girlfriend. They will 
have all their research done when they when they show up to those games. So, um, do you have a do you have a good story from sitting up in the stands? <laughs> I feel like I feel like y'all went there one year. I'm I, like I'm I feel like I am remembering some kind yeah. of something that happened. Yeah, some lady like some lady like shoved me one year. In the, was this in 19 in or 18? No, I think it was 17. We went two years back to back because you always play them on Christmas weekend. And yeah. And that was, that was, I was able to come up. I can't remember. I think it was 17. We were in the stands and y'all, you guys were not winning. And this lady who was sitting behind us was like friendly for most of the game. She was obviously a Patriots fan. And then like at the, towards the end, like she, started getting rather combative and she, I think she was drinking and it just, it started spiraling downhill quickly. And fortunately we were able to get out of there with no uh, real issues, but she, she did like sh- sort of shove me towards the end of the game. And so mom, okay. and I thought mom I had, I, I thought I had remembered something controversial mom, happening. Yeah, mom and dad and I went up to the top of the top of the uh, section and just watched from up there for the rest of the game to, avoid any kind of other issues, but once those Sam Adams start hitting, you know? Yes. Exactly. Austin Lagas. <laughs> La- Laga. Uh, um you think Josh Allen has anything on Tom? Josh, I don't Josh. think so. <laughs> Who's Ferguson? That's pretty spot on. That, yeah, that is that is pretty spot on. So uh I can't, I can't you... do Mississippi, but I can do Northeast accents pretty good. That's something we can read and I can take care of the Mississippi accent. What'd you guys um, do on Sunday? We, so we hosted the Jets. This was our second time this season playing the New York football Jets. We played Y'all them. just played a, them what, two weeks ago? No, it was about a month ago. We played, hmm. we played them. Then we played Carolina, then the Giants, and then we had our bye and then we played the Jets again. So, uh, it's been about four weeks, but, uh, we had fairly nice weather. I mean, it was, it was really good. Uh, we were able to beat them by a touchdown. Uh, we had a couple of notable moments from the game. Number one being Tua absolutely r- just demolishing one of the Jets safeties. No he pun actually, he, Number one. He actually got the good morning football angry run scepter thing that they, oh, nice. Yeah. They that's give pretty out. cool. So normally that goes to like Derrick Henry when he, throws Josh Norman or something, but Okay, uh that play didn't count. Continue. <laughs> when <laughs> there was a there was a penalty, so the play was null and void, but continue. But when when Tua runs over anybody, he has to get that award. Uh and was then, the defender like, he, you know, already falling or No, he was actually I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He was in <laughs> he was in good position to make a to make a tackle because Tua's Tua's normal like go-to is either he slides like a quarterback does, or he's gonna like he's gonna like get up he's gonna like get up high, make a cut, and then kind of just like try to juke you out slowly. Um, but the the safety was squared up on him pretty well, and so I think he knew that he had to just he had to just lay the head, and he he did. And I don't think the safety was pre- was prepared for Tua to you know, drop his shoulder down and, and run over him. But um it, it was a pretty funny moment. Got the got the the stadium and the the players and everybody were all fired up. Uh and then Christian Wilkins, our funniest guy on the team, he had a big man touchdown, caught a caught a touchdown in the flat. 
Love that. And then proceeded to jump into the stands, was like laying on like a, a lady on the front row. And then he got down, did the worm in the end zone. Then he did like the spinneroo, like break dancing move on his shoulder. He was, he was prepared for the moment. Did he get flagged? No. No. Holy moly. That's a long celebration. And what's crazy is he's actually on our, our field goal team. So he had to come and block for the extra oh, point. No. And the clock, like the clock was running, obviously, cause they're, they want to get to the, to the, uh, extra point. And so we, we had to kind of get him going over there, but it was, it was a hilarious moment. So that's uh, awesome. Nice to get, nice to get six in a row. Um, we have a Monday night game this week. Uh oh. 27th Monday night after Christmas, we will be heading to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints going back to the boot. I am pumped to be back where I won a national championship and that was really the last time I've been there. So hopefully can get another big win on Monday night. How many primetime games does New Orleans have this year? This is like the fourth one in a month. Quite a few. I think they were probably banking on uh, Jameis being healthy. We're good. Um, but So let's round out our, our Week 15 recap with our, after the snap, clutch snap of the week for Week 15. Trent Sieg of the Las Vegas Raiders is our after the snap. Week 15 clutch snap of the week for his game-winning field goal snap versus the Browns this Monday night to keep the Raiders' season alive. Uh, congrats to Trent. I don't think that this is his first clutch snap of the clutch I think snap it might week. be his second. Did he get I think it? They had they... One, uh, I think they had a game-winner earlier. It, um, they had a game-winner against us, but I don't remember if, yeah. that was the, if that was the week that we gave it to him. Can't remember, but also something I just saw. Want to give another congrats to Trent because they just announced that he is having a baby boy. So, yes. congrats to Trent. Maybe uh, Long Snapper Junior on the way. New member of Raider Nation. So, congrats, yep. congrats to to Trent and his uh, family. Well, the Bills uh, fans get a lot of flack. Speaking of Raiders, uh, for their table smashing and all the insanity, but like. You know, when that baby comes out, are they going to, like, paint his face and give him a low rider and, like, make him wear shoulder pads that are, like, little tiny baby size? Or, like, Lots what's, of, what's I like, think the you Las have Vegas to, Raiders version of you baptizing have to, give to the him, table? Yeah, you have, to, you have to go with uh, the shoulder pads that have spikes on them. That would be pretty and funny. And the black and silver face paint. I think when – I think instead of – in their hospitals, I think instead of giving out, like, a pink or a blue beanie, they just give you a black leather jacket – that's like baby size. They just give you a roulette wheel on a chain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sounds about right now. Bruce Buffer is there to to announce the birth of your firstborn. Now push, ma'am. It's time. That would actually be I'd pay for that. Yeah, that'd be worth it. I'd pay for that. I want to see I want to reach out to Bruce hopefully when the time comes for number two. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, hopping into uh, college football on from NFL. Uh, we're 10 bowl games in as of uh, Tuesday recording. I'm, I'm referring a little bit to our family uh, bowl pick uh, group, but... Blake and I are, are currently, uh, I believe we're tied for last. Yeah, it's not going well. We are three for ten. Toledo, wrong. Northern Illinois, wrong. App State, wrong. JSU, wrong. Fresno State, correct. BYU, wrong. Liberty, correct. Oregon State, wrong. Marshall, wrong. And Tulsa, correct. Through That was, uh, I- that was through last night. Through last night. So I was, I was following, um, I, I've been following through like I did the little ESPN app, like the bowl game, whatever. And that's how I've been following it. So yeah, not, not a great start, but, um, hopefully, I mean, what is it? What do we say last episode? There's like 42 bowl games, I think 44 maybe. Uh, so there's still plenty of room to catch back up. I want to first disclose how I made my picks this year. Normally, I just go through and, and do a whole bunch of research, rankings, record, strength of schedule, this and that. Like I'm, I'm all over it. This year, I decided to take a different approach. This year, I went with every betting favorite going into the bowl game. And I'm confident that Vegas will... <laughs> Well, help me out on the back end of these bowl games because three for ten, Vegas never. If if you if I told you the house Vegas is losing, the house is losing. If I told you Vegas right was three for ten, you would. I mean, you would go. You'd go to Vegas and and bet again. I mean, you they don't. Bet it they don't build casinos going three for ten. No, I took every every betting favorite, and I I am three for ten so far. Hey, I'm I'm pretty close. Our I picks, I our did picks do actually. Sorry, our picks were actually the, the exact same up and through the UCF Florida game. We have actually, sorry, no, uh, North Texas and uh, Miami of Ohio, we picked differently. But everything up through, uh, what's that, like Wednesday, uh, maybe Thursday, are, are all the same. Your yeah, I did, I did a little bit of the same. Um, and as we're recording, I'm looking out my office window and uh, my neighbor – who has a kid, he's probably 14. He just flew a drone out of his garage. So um, I hope he's not recording me, but uh, interesting. Um, so the way I did my bowl picks, sorry, I had a little anecdote there, but um, I did similar. I looked at who the, who were the favorite, who were the betting favorites, who was the, you know, on ESPN, it shows you like what percentage of people uh, picked what team, Usually people side with the betting favorites. Um, but I did pick some underdogs here and there. I don't remember which ones, but, uh, I did pick a few underdogs, but for a lot of the toss up games, like some of the games that maybe had lines that were three or less, uh, I tried to go, uh, with the quarterback. I looked at the quarterback stats and I tried to pick, you know, which game, which team had basically the better QB stats. Because it's the most, it's, it's the most important position on the football field. And, you know, if a guy had, you know, uh, 1500 more yards and a better touchdown to interception ratio, that's who I was picking. So 
Um, we'll see if it comes back to, to bite me. I'm not sure, but I did have to flip flop because a couple of guys, uh, I did have to flip flop on a couple of my picks because some, some dudes declared they were going to the draft and skipping the bowl game, which I don't agree with, but that's a story for a different day. Brett, do you do bowl picks? I actually didn't know about bowl picks. It must have not been in the group checks that we're in that, uh, that was the thing we were doing. I don't really do bowl picks as much. I do college pick them with uh, my friend's family every year. And that basically every week there's like 10 games and you got to pick the winners, you know, and ESPN does it. And you, you know, you do it every week and you pick the winners of the 10 games and there's no spread. Some people do it with a spread. We do it without the spread. And I can say after like five years of doing that, it doesn't matter how much you research or how much you know, like there are so many like variables in college football. It seems that like the the team that should statistically win and is projected to win and the betting favorite will lose like every week, like every week you will get some wild thing, like a wrench thrown in there. And like the less famous the team, like the less coverage they have, it seems the more that happens when you're going over these bowl games, those first couple, I'm like, I wouldn't even know what to even it's like. A, it's judge. a toss up. Yeah. It's a toss yeah, up. total toss up. It's like, that's like March Madness. I mean, it's, it's effectively the same thing. It just, there's so much that happens between the round of 64 and get actually getting to the, the, the final four. There's, it's, it truly is a toss up and there's no amount of research that can get you from point A to point B in a, in an unscathed fashion. That's but imagine I- like, if you had to pick that, like, you know, UCF, well, UCF floor is a bad example, but, you know, like Topeka versus like Gary's technical college or whatever. And that could break the next three weeks of games. That's the frustrating thing about the final floor is like, exactly. You're like picking two, a flip flop and you're like, wow, if I'm wrong, this could ruin three rounds or the whole thing or whatever. Right. That's why I have a hard time picking upsets, especially like high rank upsets in, in March Madness. Like I, like a number two versus a number 15, I'm never, ever going to take a number 15. And the one time that it happens, it it's going to wreck my entire bracket, but I'm okay with that. Um, so jumping back, uh, I know we're flip-flopping a little bit, but jumping back to a uh, big story uh, last week from the NFL, uh, the whole Urban Meyer situation, I'm sure, Blake, I know you definitely heard about it. Brett, did you hear about the Urban Meyer situation down in Jacksonville? I mean, I followed it throughout the season. We were actually uh, – we pitched a story about – this is such a bummer it didn't happen, but I pitched and we were going through the final steps to confirm a story about the Jacksonville Jaguars throughout the whole season to cover them. So I was following them pretty heavily. Uh, Jacksonville shut it down, and uh, I bet they're glad they did now. <laughs> Something tells me yes. that that was actually Urban Meyer that shot that down. <laughs> it wasn't, but – uh, he's probably glad they did. I, I I don't remember when it was last week. I feel like it was maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. I think Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, so a story broke. Josh Lambeau, former kicker uh, for the Jaguars, basically came out with a story of, that he was uh, that Urban Meyer had kicked him during the uh, pregame of a preseason game. He basically came up to him and he was like, he like gave him, Josh said it was a little more than a love tap, I think is what his quote said. Yep. Um, said it was a five out of 10. Five out of 10. That's what I was trying to think of. And, uh, he just kind of, he said like, you know, better make your kicks. And then Josh was like, you know, why do you, why do you kick me? And he goes, I'm the head ball coach. I'll do what I want. And at that point, I'm like, okay, let's take a step back here. What are we doing? What are we doing? 
You're talking about the same guy that called his head coach or called his assistant coaches losers in a staff meeting and made them defend their resumes publicly. Just remember that when you when you're thinking about what we're actually doing. It I mean, says here that you were in charge of the distribution of <laughs> of petroleum for over millions three of years, millions, millions of, of transactions in the North New Jersey market of the oil fields and industrial market outside of major shipping hubs. Hey, if it's going to be on your resume, you got to be able to defend it, I guess. <laughs> the the one thing I just wrote on the notes is the the first thing that came to my mind is there's just no place for this. I mean, what was so the yeah. first the first thing is it's just because Josh Lambeau is the kicker, people were like asking me, they're like, "Do you think he's serious?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, what does he have to lose?" Right. I'm sure he's being serious. I mean, why, why would he like, I don't, I'm not sure he's really in a position to make up a story. You know, who knows? I can't believe somebody didn't fight the guy. Like, how does this guy go so long in this organization for almost a year? And nobody's, nobody's laid hands on him when he's clearly laying hands on other people. Like, I don't know. I did think it was pretty funny though when after he was let go, I guess Trevor Lawrence had a uh, press conference and he was kind of like that. They were like, you know, how does this affect the team? What, you know, how does this coaching move? And he was like, I think it provides a little bit of, um, clarity and some, and some like good energy for the team. I was just yeah. like, they must have been sick of him. Yeah. You can actually focus now and not have the distraction of all of the stuff following Urban Meyer. It's got to be nice to be able to like focus in meetings and not have the distraction of everything following Urban Meyer and like like the the head coach is is supposed to be the one like downplaying all the outside distractions and everything, but when the when the head coach is the distraction, that's that's got to be a, a toxic place to be. So as an outsider or someone who hasn't played in the NFL yet, um, there's still time. All you ever hear on television broadcasts about Urban Meyer was like, he's losing the locker room. And it's just like a lot of like buzzwords, you know, like that North South running back kind of crap, you know, or it's like they're losing the locker room. What's happening here? You know, the devotion of the team and then just all these buzzwords. Is he still a is players that true, coach? Though? Uh-huh. Is he still a yeah, players he, coach? Yeah. Is he a players? It's just like, so if, if you're an outsider, like all you hear all season is just like after he had the incident at, you know, going to the girl to do the dance, like that whole mess, you, know, you hear about losing the locker room and the player's coach and whatever, uh, and the game plan doesn't matter. Like how true is that though as players? Because it just, it seems a bit like television fluff or like a little bit bogus. I guess I would say that there's a little bit of both. The, I mean, the coach is in charge of, of making sure that the team is prepared mentally and physically to play in the game. And if there's so much going on that the players are not focused, players are not prepared, you know, there's, you're gonna, there, there are going to be effects on the field. Now, I will say that the majority of guys are professionals that have been in the league for a while and, and understand that if, if the team doesn't play well, that that looks bad on their career and and doesn't bode well for their next contract or their next payday. And so players are in the are going to do what's in the best interest of themselves and usually that's coming coming to the game prepared whether you are 
prepared by the coach. In this case, they, I, I don't, I can't speak to that because it's not my organization, but whether, you know, whether it's the, the coach has prepared them or not. So. Well, I think like whenever you guys talk about when you're at work, like you guys, you know, you guys talk about like the people right above you and around you. And that's the same way it would be for most people at any company or any job is it's like, you know, you're going to talk about your supervisor and the managers above you and uh, people around you not be like, Hey, did you see what the CEO tweeted last weekend? Like, I, is it like that? Or is it, is it more like maybe there's some players that are different and closer to that person and it does affect them more. I, I'm just trying to figure that out, I guess maybe, but I like what you said though. It's like people are professional know that like, you know, lose it or not, like you got to play well to make your money next year or this year even. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's different for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who is now the face of the franchise. He's probably meeting with the head coach on a semi-regular basis and, you know, has to answer to the media on a weekly basis about the, the status of the team. Now for the, 85 to 90% of the team that isn't having a mic- microphone pushed in front of their face every week and probably not meeting with the head coach individually, it's probably a different story. So I think it just kind of depends on the nature of the position that you play and your, the other things surrounding your career, you know, how long you've been there, the, just your leadership, uh, status on the team. If you're a captain, think just, Things like that. They said they uh, they fired him with cause, so they're not going to pay out the rest of his contract. I heard too, right? Yeah, and, and to me, that's not that's not surprising. All right, let's hop into some Christmas since this is our Christmas uh, edition of the podcast. Let's hop into some Christmas questions. How about it? I'm literally driving 13 hours home right now for Christmas, so I'm hyped. All right, so I uh, got three short snaps for you guys. I'll answer as well. Uh, first off, what was the best Christmas gift you've ever received? I think mine that comes to mind top of head is, uh, I think my first snowboard that I remember in like sixth grade or whatever, I tried snowboarding. And I think that next Christmas I got my first snowboard and I just fell in love with that sport for most of my life. And it's just like, taking me all over the country and stuff. And that is just the coolest thing when a gift does that, when it opens a new door. Mine is probably not quite as cool, but uh, I think my iPad that I got when, when iPads were first starting to come out and I got one for Christmas, I think that was probably my favorite gift I've gotten. Um, Santa, I did, that. Sam, Santa did bring me some pretty cool gifts over the years. Some very creative, uh, like I got a, like a David Ortiz, like authentic bat before, which was really cool. Just some, some, uh, jerseys from my favorite players through the years. But I think my iPad was, was probably one that I enjoyed using for the longest amount of time, even after I received it. Yeah. Two came to my mind first off. And there is a picture to call back on this from Christmas a, a long time ago. Got a Marvin Williams, North Carolina. Tar Heels basketball uh, uniform, full uniform, had the jersey, the shorts, the whole nine yards. I was looking some major swag. It's uh, in 2021. It's called Drip. Drip. More recently, uh, as recent as last year, uh, Erica was pregnant on Christmas, so she got me a book 
she personalized a book uh, for me that uh, it's got picture like a cartoonized picture of me and a cartoonized picture of Blakely. Um, and it kind of, it's a, it's a book about her like growing up and the things she's going to learn and spending time together. Uh, and it actually brought a tear to my eye. Uh, I do not cry a lot, but, uh, that did make me tear up. So, uh, I've read it to her a couple times. She loves it. Uh, but that book uh, was very special. So I will say Erica is a very talented gift giver. And there was one, so she, she sent me, and I think you got one as well. The one of the coolest gifts that I've ever gotten. Um, and I, and now that you mentioned uh, what she gave you last year, she, she got me a, this is a top five gift for sure. It was the Papa shop machine. Yes. And, and you and I have played that in the basement of your house several times since last Christmas. And that was like, that was a top, top five gift I've gotten for yeah, sure. Is this like, like that's the face to face basketball, like little basketball hoop? Like the, like next to each other where they fought, where they like the net like falls back to you. This is like oh, a full oh, size. This is like the big, I was thinking a tabletop little guy. No, oh, full size. That's, no, solid. Like that's a very solid gift. Yeah. Papa shot. Yes. Basketballs flying everywhere. Just. Bouncing across the room. I mean, it, yeah. If we still, if we still live together, in our household. then that would be mine. Would be used a lot more. Unfortunately, I don't have anybody to play with. Fun fact. Moment, so, fun fact. Reed actually, Reed actually won a Papa Shot competition. What was it yes. like 2000, 2008? Oh gosh, it was yeah, middle school. And it, you won a Troy Palomalu signed jersey. Yes, at a Coca-Cola event with mom. What a super random. It hung in my not, room. Uh, maybe it's not random because I think that year Troy Palomalu did a Coca-Cola commercial. Yeah, that's why they were. I think that's why they were. They were probably. Yeah, he, he, he did a promo with them, but that's why they were giving but it just, away. Just like on the outside, a, a Troy Palomalu jersey for winning a basketball game is was just kind of funny at the time to me. Troy Palomalu is like connection. He's like one of like my top level football people ever. Like, talk about one of the most exciting people to watch play football. Man, those were some golden years. Absolutely. Uh, We got. uh, I haven't gotten a warning, so I think we're okay. All right. Second question: uh, Favorite Christmas meal dish? I'm just going to kick it off right off the bat. A nice. Honey baked ham with the brown sugar crust on it. Yes. Can't beat it. If one of you says eggnog, prepare to fight. I don't know that I have had eggnog in the last like eight years. Um, eggnog, I I will stand for eggnog. It's got to be good eggnog though. There's so much bad eggnog. Go get some of that Southern Comfort brand eggnog, non alcoholic, just on the shelf. That stuff, it's like a milkshake in a jug. Look who just got demoted to assistant director of content. <laughs> assistant senior director of content. Assistant senior junior VP, junior director junior VP of content <laughs> for the southeast region. The Weenie Hut junior. southeast region. <laughs> assistant assistant to the VP of content. <laughs> 
I so mine's mine's still gonna be cranberry sauce because I feel like I remember still eating cranberry sauce at Christmas. Definitely. See, I feel like okay, so this is where I differ. I agree, but I differ because Thanksgiving, you gotta eat the canned cranberry sauce. Christmas is for actual like cran like crushed fresh cranberries. Cranberry. Like fresh cranberries. I don't, what's the, what do you call that? Squeezed? No, like what's that dish called? Cranberry sauce? Yeah, I think it's still called cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce, but not the can. Okay. Christmas calls for a more formal cranberry dish. Brett, what's your take on cranberry sauce? Oh man. So, uh, yeah, if I'm going, I don't even know if I'm going to be unpaid anymore. I'm going to owe you guys money. (laughs) By the end of the podcast, I was driving to the New Orleans game on Thanksgiving, listening to the pod, and you guys were all all excited for cranberry sauce. And the whole time, I'm just like wanting to vomit, like literally one step above green bean casserole for like worst Thanksgiving or Christmas foods ever. Like just terrible. Can never even get a single bite down. You're not a green bean casserole fan, even with like the little onions on. Terrible. Yeah, the Frenches, no way. Awful. Green beans are very bad. I'm learning a lot right now. My number one Christmas food, though, is definitely those peanut butter cookies with the Hershey Kisses in them. Ooh. I look forward to them all year long. And if we're going proper foods, stuffing. It's always stuffing. Well, now we have to, now we have to talk Christmas desserts. And my vote is those cookies. Mine for sure. Be, mine would be Buckeyes. The, Buckeyes. The, the, the peanut butter balls dipped in chocolate. Like, yep. Not, it's so not basically the same close. flavor. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, it's the same ingredients. Just yours is just an actual cookie, Brett. Ours is just like a yeah peanut butter. And I think it's just literally just peanut butter and like powdered sugar mixed together into a ball and dipped in chocolate to look like a Ohio State Buckeye. I had them in someone else's house. We don't make those, but I've had them before, I think. And they're good. They're fantastic. Okay, so follow-up, is Thanksgiving meal or Christmas meal the best meal? I'm going to go Thanksgiving. Why? Personally. I don't know, because it's like the meal is the main event. Even if it's not better food, the hype is better. It's like when McGregor's on UFC. The card could be worse, but you're still more hyped to watch it. Interesting take. Yeah, I can. I'm, I agree with that. I think Thanksgiving meal as a whole is better, but... There are, there's like one or two things at the Christmas meal that I think are superior, but Thanksgiving meal as a whole is better. Okay. Well, I'm going to go Christmas and that's simply because I prefer ham over turkey. Sole reason. Like if you, if you gave me ham at Thanksgiving, I would, I would take Thanksgiving and I just, I'm, I will eat the turkey, but I'll have to have cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, dressing, like uh, gravy. Like there's gotta be stuff with it because you can't eat turkey, like baked or fried turkey, just like by itself. It's too dry. But, yeah, I don't really like turkey as a whole, but for some reason that day it's like acceptable, but definitely like a leg meat, more moist brown, like dark yeah. meat kind of turkey guy. Yeah. Dark meat, dark so meat dry. is a little bit better. The white meat is, is tough. Like you, you gotta, you gotta come with your mind prepared for that meal. 
So Brett, Brett confirmed leg guy. Leg guy. Big big leg guy. Brett, thanks for coming on the pod today, dude. Oh man, I loved it. Uh if everyone doesn't already know, I came up with the name and encouraged this podcast to be all all during the wedding planning and the wedding and all those events, life events. So grateful it exists. I really enjoy listening and uh, you know, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> if you want to follow Brett on social media. All of that media, is true. If you want to follow Brett on social media, he is on Instagram only. Yeah. Instagram only because he is a photographer slash filmmaker, Brett in real life, Brett in real life. Uh, you can follow Brett Carlson on Instagram. He's got some amazing work on there that he uh, posts and you can also see his other content online and um, on various news platforms on a pretty regular basis. I think you were on, what CNN and a couple of others uh, Every, last week everywhere, basically. Yeah. Covering those tornadoes. Covering the but, uh, one last thing before we finish this up, uh, squish the fish, baby. No place. Right. I'd rather be than on this podcast right now. Okay. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> For context, Brett is a, is a, uh, he's from, Bo- he is, a, he's a Yankee and he is from the uh, Western New York uh, Pennsylvania line territory and is right in the heart of Bill's mafia. So if, if his cranberry sauce slash eggnog, uh, takes weren't enough to knock him down to associate assistant junior VP of content, that is enough. So <laughs> Brett, thanks for coming on. This has been after the snap tales from two brothers who live life upside down. <laughs>